emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Soul of Enterprise, Business, and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Barrett SAGE Institute colleague, Ed Klass. And on today's show, we are doing Free Rider Friday for last month, Ed. Yes, for January of, of 2019. <laughs> And we should quickly explain that, Ron, you got the flu, so that's why you sound so bad. No, it's actually uh, micro- <laughs> Ron's microphone is having a little trouble. It doesn't yeah. want to play nicely with him, so he's yeah. he's on a regular connection, so you'll just have to bear with us. But, uh, Ron, you're not your deep, resonant self as usual, but it's not about that. It's about the content that you bring, and I know you're loaded for bear for today's show, so bring it on. I am, Ed. I mean, the big the big thing uh, right out of the gate is: Have you heard of ASMR? Asthma. Asthma. A A S M R. Okay. Well, you're going to watch the Super Bowl, right? Uh, yeah, probably. I got to root against Tom Brady, like the rest of the country, with the exception of <laughs> New England. <laughs> okay. Well, then you're going to see ASMR in action. ASMR okay. is autonomous sensory meridian response i'll say that one more time autonomous slowly 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 (laughs) i got that part autonomous sensory meridian meridian response it's the biggest crave craze now in advertising and Michelob ultra is going to run a super bowl ad starring actress zoe kravitz this is from ad agency fcb in chicago and it's an ASMR ad, and it's all about using sensory uh, to draw people in. Um, it's it's like dead air on the radio. It's like tapping the the beer. Yeah, and you can watch the Super Bowl ad on. It's on YouTube. It's all over the place. Everybody's talking about this. Uh, you know, she taps the beer on the mic, like on the microphone, and it just it's a very calm ad. It, it, they figure well, all the Super Bowl ads, you know, it's going to be loud and and they're going to ca- calm it down to draw the listener in. This hmm. is to this is to calm you and draw you in. And, you know, R- Rush talked about this on one of his shows. Look, I've been using these techniques since 38 years or whatever, 30 years he's been on the radio. He always says, you know, dead air never hurt anybody. I don't know if the guys at Voice of America would agree with that, but Rush occasionally goes dead. He does it on purpose, or he whispers, mm-hmm. right? And yep. it, and it, and it draws you in. It's just, and I'm sure you knew the same thing when you studied acting in in college, right? I mean, you vary your tone, and it's that type of thing. So the the thing about this beer from uh, Michelob is it's organic. <laughs> so so. So I, 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 I can't believe, and look, the ad is pretty stupid, okay? So I can't believe the beer is any better than the ad. Um, <laughs> it's Michelob. This is so hyped. This is so, this is being so hyped in like the ad agency press and because the ad was developed for by women 
all women did this. And it's, I, I guess it's somewhat targeted to women and they're making a big deal out of that as well. Uh, and I just think it's, it, you know, because I'm not a fan of our beer, our mass market beer. I just think it's kind of ridiculous. But this is one of those things, but boy, boy, does hype just spread like wildfire for no well, good reason. Well, except, ex- except you know, this a- AR, ASMR is an example of ASMR, right? I mean, it, 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 you, you get people talking about the technique, you get people talking about something different, and, and that's exactly what this is intended to do. I, look, I, I was presenting this week. I, 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 use, I do use those techniques all of the time. You know, I, I don't know if it's a pregnant pause occasionally or, you know, stop and think or, or – or just go into whispers on stuff, right? All the all the time, all yep. the time. Yeah, yeah. Vary your voice, different inflections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that, and and it does work. I mean, it, it it sucks people in. I, you know, it is true. When you hear dead air on on a radio, you you will lean in and go, "Oh, gee, something's wrong." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like like with my mic today. So anyway, just thought that yeah. was interesting. But you know, I'm I'm sure the beer sucks. <laughs> I pro- yeah, I'm not. I'm not going out of my way to buy a, buy a Michelob product anyway. Doesn't matter, and, and especially an organic beer. I mean, how good? I mean, come on. Well, frick, isn't beer organic? Like, what's what's? It's only four ingredients: is, is water, <laughs> I, I, you, you hops, know. barley, and yeast. I mean, what's what's the what's the I, inorganic part? I don't. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it, well, organic itself is a is an example of of, of the, one of these techniques, right? It, all organic is is a way to get rich people to spend more for vegetables. That's right. It just means higher price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, so go go buy a craft beer instead. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not gonna. You know, I'm true. I I really can't drink much beer anymore, Ron. It just it fills me up way too quickly. I yeah. far prefer wine. I mean, I hate to you know get rid of my Irish roots here, but I got to tell you, I'm not. You know, I'll have my one Guinness at, on St. Patrick's Day this year, and that'll be that. The only time beer is really, really good, like on a really hot day or with like sushi. Yeah, at a ballpark, I do. I do do yeah. a beer okay. ballpark. That's 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 kind of my place to go on it. All right. Yeah. Well. <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm done with ASMR. Ed. Just watch. All right. Good. Good okay. ASMR. You're good with ASMR. Well, you know, I, I got to throw this one out at you, Ron. You know, being down here in Texas, pretty excited about this is, uh, and this is just relatively ju- just announced that if if Texas were its own country, which hey, you never know, you never know, True. Uh, we would be now the third largest producer of oil in the world in the, the world. country yes i just read that mm-hmm. i mean that is just really cool don't you think i mean it, it is and and it, texas has quintupled its production in the last 10 years from roughly one um one billion barrels i guess is that a day let me see what the the numbers are in here uh, yeah, barrels per day r- from roughly one billion bar- one million barrels per day. I'm sorry to um, to over five billion barrels per day. Right, and I think America as a whole does something like ten or something, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're number one now. We're number one. We yeah. we are yeah. the largest single producer 
country of oil in the world, over 11, close to 12 billion barrels per day. Wow. Yep. Yeah, because I, I, got, I got interested and looked this up. And, you know, of course, number two is... So uh, this, one, this is the other one everybody gets wrong. Everybody goes Saudi Arabia. No, they're actually number three. It's Russia. Well, Russia, right. I know Venezuela's up there too, right? They're top five or so, or they uh, used to be. Well, yeah, no, they've 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 gone down there at, uh, listen, according to my Wikipedia entry anyway, they are at 11 now. Mm, wow. Yep. Yeah. No, we, we beat out, I, I believe we beat out Canada, which was, was, uh, running in there because iran and iraq have have had some problems recently so but yep incredible um that but is. you know peak oil ron peak, peak. oil <laughs> yeah how long have we been hearing that for yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, look, but it, it, and here's the thing: it's, it it'll probably is going to go down. I think this is a little bit of an anomaly, just because of of what oil prices have happened. Uh, you know, I think because we're also crazy into the production of natural gas. Yeah, it's like insane how big Texas has gotten in terms of natural gas production as well. So, yeah, no, it's it's a uh, it's a long way from the wildcatter days. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, you drive anywhere in in North North Texas to any rural area, and every, every single far, farm has has a has a has a a, a a rig going, you know, and it's it's all because of the the ability that the the, the la, whatever it is lateral dr- drilling, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, that is capable of of getting into the spaces where we couldn't before. So great stuff. Right. I just saw a quote by Elon Musk saying that we're going to run out of, you know, fuel from dinosaurs and we'd be, it's like, no, do, do you understand the earth is still producing oil? It, it, it's not about dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. Yeah. And, and he wouldn't get, he wouldn't get, you know, and, and by the way, the oil doesn't come from rotting dinosaurs either, by the way, it's, it's mostly sediment that yeah, was at the bottom of native it, oceans. Like, yes. So the, <laughs> I, I know, I know. It, it, it just—I I know they call it fossil fuel, and people, yeah, but <laughs> right? But it's not coming from dead dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, all right. So, what do you got? You got you got a, uh, about about a minute or so. I, you got a quick one you want to get in or no? Uh, it's, it's sort of quick. I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Colin Quinn, the comedian. We talk about comedy, right? And how comedy yeah. is being pushed out. Colin Quinn, bless his heart, he's got a. Uh, Broadway show and he's you know it's called Red State Blue State it's a one man show right. and he's going after you know he's doing some un PC things let's just say that like I'll, just, I'll give you one line he said red states are a little bit racist blue states are a little bit fascist <laughs> 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 and the, the the journalist who wrote this up said you know the collective thought bubble over the audience must have been who? Us? We merely want to destroy teens who wear unapproved hat messages and ban films that are critical of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I know. I'm watching this I, thing on PBS, Ron, about uh, about dictators, and they're the one that was released about a week ago is on Mussolini, and you can't not watch this and go that fascism is of the left. It is like not, it's not even a question. And it's not funny. They don't like jokes. No. North Korea will put you in the gulag for life for saying a mm-hmm. joke about the dear leaders. No, nope. and uh, 
Yeah, it's a touchy subject. So I, 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 I was really impressed to see Colin Quinn out there taking on, uh, you know, taking on some tough subjects. And uh, it's, it's great to see. I mean, some comedians do have guts. Uh, you know, John Cleese did a video where he said, all comedy is critical. All, I mean, that's the beauty of comedy. It's critical. Mm-hmm. There's no way to have comedy without it being critical of something, the power structure, the status quo, whatever. And it's so true. And I tell you, if we just lose the ability to laugh, then we've lost a lot. Completely agree. Completely agree. All right, Ron. Well, we're up against our first break. want to remind you, you can talk to Ron and myself by using the email address, which is asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website, as you know, is thesoulofenterprise.com. We have show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows and our archive page that we're extraordinarily proud of with all 200 30 plus episodes that we've ever done that you can have access to right there at your fingertips. But right now, a word from our sponsor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. Ron, do you know, are you familiar with this poem? Ah, no. Uh, the last the last four uh, verses are, The woods are lovely, dark, and deep, but I have promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. And it's uh, this is the, the, the classic lines from Robert Frost, Frost. Stopping, by, yeah. for stopping by the woods on a snowing evening, which, as of January 1st, Ron, entered into the public domain. Ah, Okay. Uh, this is a very good thing that, that we're seeing, but there are a lot of people, and this is a story from the Washington Post, that I, I really did a, a great job at covering this and, and talking about 
of this because you know now basically if you want you can take that and put it on a t-shirt without having to ask anybody right <laughs> right 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 uh fedex can paint miles to go on his trucks <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um downy can use e- e- easy wind and downy flake which is a line from the 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 thing on their dryer sheets and nobody can say boo about this but the really neat thing is is of course is that it gets the work back out there Right. And and that we would be able to appreciate that because somebody might say, oh, that's an interesting phrase and 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 look to see where where it goes from there. And and the reason why I bring this up and, you know, we've we've talked about this intellectual property thing for quite some time. But this this story made me reflect on this. And it's something that that really I'll give you the credit for that you taught me, which is you're like, heck, I want to give away my IP. Give it all away. Give it all away because it makes me replenish more. And what I'm finding is the more and more that I try to that I give stuff away, the more that I give people my PowerPoints rather than a PDF file, right? Mm-hmm. And just say, here, it's it's all yours. Just you know, because you know, do you remember? And I think I still talk to speakers who are who are like this. We're like, nope, can't give them my PowerPoint. Right. 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 Yep. They would because what were they going to do? Deliver your message someplace else? And right. if they do, are they going to do it as well as you? In which case, it sucks to be you. You must be terrible. Yep. Right? So, um, anyway, just just was reflecting on this notion of IP and how important it is. I think that we do allow stuff to get into the public domain. And I, I think, you know, Disney is finally going to start losing stuff unless they extend the copyright law again, which I doubt they're going to have to do this time. But and I, and I think that that's a very good thing. I think I don't think that the original images of Mickey Mouse sh- should be under copyright from Disney anymore. I, I think it's it's time to move on. Yeah, I think we've gone too far in the direction of protecting intellectual property for too long. Like copyright is, I think it's seventy. It's the life of the author plus seventy five years or something right, like that. Right, and it kept getting it, it really kept getting it, it get getting extended for Disney. For Disney, yeah, because it, yeah. Mickey Mouse was nineteen twenty eight, and mm-hmm. and you know it's nineteen nineties came around or something. It was about to lose its copyright or whatever. But uh, yeah, and and. The, the, I think the real interesting question there is I can see scaling back on copyright length and patents, I guess, are either 17 or 20 years. There may be variations, but it's somewhere in there. The only thing that scares me about patent rollback, if we said like five year or three year or whatever, is drugs. Mm-hmm. And, and I just wonder, under the current regime of FDA approval, I mean, we had Mary Ruert on the show. She talked about how long it takes to get a drug approved, how much it costs. We would have to change that regime, too, if we rolled back patent life. And, and I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah, except there's always the counterexamples, right? Which is Bayer and Tylenol. Yeah. Right? And that, it, that, a, that a well-done brand stands for something. And uh, by, you know, by the logic of that patent law, that you wouldn't why, – why would anyone in their right mind buy a generic? Yet people, yet people, or what? Well, but not buy a generic. I mean, what? Why would they? Why would they buy a a, a brand name drug when there's generic available uh, that probably even came out of the same factory in a lot of cases? Sure. Yeah. No. I, I guess that doesn't scare me. Like with aspirin, OTC stuff. I'm talking more about the more designer drugs. You know, the cancer drugs. The, the stuff that really does powerful things, but if, if they went generic right away, 
maybe the manufacturers wouldn't have the same incentive system to put the R&D into them. Yeah, I, I suppose there's that argument, and uh, but but again, and you're right, and this is this is where it's a, it's the regime change. If you if you lowered the the bar that it took to to test to the, to to require the stuff be tested, then then that's going to come down. And then, you know, where, what are we doing when we we get to the point where there's these these genetically based drugs that are specifically targeted for your type of cancer because they use cells from your cancer to fight your cancer. Yeah, I that 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 is a great question. And Ed, did you see the report? And I don't have it in my stack. I didn't look this up, but th- this company in Israel has come out, and and these guys are the, the CEO and the C-suite and the scientists they have on there. But they're all respected in the medical community. These mm-hmm. guys claim they have the cure for cancer, and it's going to be cheaper, and it's only going to take a couple weeks, and it's going to solve cancer. And, and there, I mean, the claim, it just, you know, my, my skeptics and antenna went way up. Okay. Right. And, and it's still, it's still really on high alert, but I'm telling you, these guys are doubling down on this mm-hmm. and, uh, it's just fascinating. And I'm just, I'm, I'm curious to see how the rest of the media reports it and puts it out there and deals with it and the kind of skepticism that's thrown at it. I just think it's going to be really interesting. I don't think it's a hoax. I mean, I think these guys believe it, but it's really interesting. So you haven't heard anything about it. I know I haven't. I heard, what I heard there was something from from China um, that was reported. I saw it, but I didn't see one from Israel. Okay, no, this is so, Israel. This is an right. Israel company and a, and a long term respected Israeli company. I mean, this isn't. Right. You know, that's what makes it interesting. Anyway, I just I'll I'll try and keep my eye on that and have something on it. Yeah, no, for sure. But what's that going to do to our trade deficit with Israel, though, Ron? I just, well, I know I worry about that. <laughs> uh, all right, you're up. Go. All right. Uh, well, uh, Ed, the uh, okay. This is an interesting article from Fee, and it's Lawrence Reed, who I really like, one of the Foundation for Economic. Education. In fact, I think he was prior president. But he said uh, he's got an article. North Korea's constitution makes me craw. Now that's that, that's a new word. Okay, <laughs> I like this word. I like this word. I'll define the word later. But let's just. He says historically governments are responsible for you know unbelievable torture and mayhem and death. I mean, you can check out the book by uh, who is it? Rommel, Death by mm-hmm. Government. That it, mm-hmm. it just documents this stuff unbelievably but he actually went through north korea's constitution and you know we think of a constitution as a document that should restrain government's power um and the north korean constitution is about 8200 words which is a few hundred words longer than the u.s constitution um but <laughs> it's way shorter than the 376,000 words of the Constitution of the state of Alabama. So I don't know why the state of Alabama has a, a, a very long constitution, but apparently they do. But, you know, North Korea last, ranks last among nations in economic freedom. Fraser Institute, the Heritage Foundation. I mean, you look at any ranking from the think tanks on economic freedom and they're, they're dead last. In addition to their constitution, they have 10 principles for the establishment of a monolithic ideological system. And every North Korean citizen must memorize these, Ed. 
and there's mm-hmm. 10 of them and and they're 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 like one sentence but they're kind of difficult i'll just i'll just read you one we must learn from the great leader comrade kim il sung and adopt the communist look revolutionary work methods and people oriented work style that's just one there's there's nine more like this now, i i can't believe their work methods are agile or lean six sigma right um you never know ron you never know (laughs) he said um you know it just just goes on i mean the constitution of the democratic people's republic of korea in itself is is a is a lie right i mean they're they're the farthest thing from a democracy but um and he just went on and on to talk about the, the the ridiculous things that are in this constitution um and it was just just kind of made me laugh. But uh, the, the 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 word "craw" that he used in the title, yeah, that spell it. C R A U G H. That okay. means that means to laugh and cry at the same time. Ah, okay. That's a great word. Mm-hmm. It made me laugh and cry at the same time. Made me makes me craw. So. Mm. Thought, like that was, thought that was clever. Yeah, no, it was, it was clever. Yeah, and and by the way, and I, I mentioned the thing on Mussolini that I watched on PBS. He had he had the the same thing. So that's again right out of the Mussolini playbook, right? Mm-hmm. The the which was uh, you know the fascist playbook, and one of his ten were Mussolini is always right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty easy. It's a little. He was. He was a little bit more terse. And I did not know this. Do you know Mussolini was a journalist? Yes. His background in journalism. Yeah. Qu- and quite, quite a gifted writer, from what yes. I understand. And, uh-huh. and didn't he also play the violin? And he was gifted musician. Or his. Uh, yeah. His, they talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe his his family too were they they were musical. Mm-hmm. His daughters and stuff. So yeah, it reminds me of Obergroup and Fira. Smith, yes. Huh? All right, all right. Well, I'm I'm up, I guess. Right, you're up. Uh, so I have th- this this one that I wanted to to share, kind of as a as a um, r- related to to the priest and the rabbi, and it, this is a, a little bit of a combination. So there's an article by Randy England at Liberty.me on Jesus on the redistribution of wealth. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It, it, it rehashes some of the stuff that you and I have always talked about. But he does a really nice job of putting together some of the the, the, the quotes from Jesus and, and bringing stuff together under the, the auspices of, look, what Jesus said was, it, it wasn't you give to the government to take care of the poor, right? right. It was take care of the poor. Poor, yep. Right? Anyway, I got into big time trouble because I posted this on a Catholic social teaching website, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you, I am now the devil incarnate on this site, right? Really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, no, because it, it it's it, you know, and and what I did, I what I also said was is like, hey, look, here's part of my problem is that you 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 we you want redistribution of wealth, but the only way to do that through government is to make make a make a a a, a bargain with the devil, and that is to also have a huge military that funds what I p- could perceive to be uh, wars of aggression, right? That's mm-hmm. my opinion, 
right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and they're like, well, so just because we promote wars of aggression doesn't mean we shouldn't redistribute wealth. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> but anyway, that's not where I saw. So we'll post a link up to this article. But where I wanted to go is. I wanted to, to, to read you the lyric, and I, I have to try to figure out a way to get a recording of this, because one was made. A dear friend of mine who passed away about four, four years ago, I think, his, his name is Alan Patterson, wrote a song, right? And he, he, he wrote it, and it's, a, it's, a, and it's a country song, and I've heard, I heard him, him sing it a couple of times, and he just you know, broke out his guitar. But the name of the song is Let's Get Caesar Involved. <laughs> Right, right, right. So I'm going to read you a little bit, and I, I wish I, like I said, I wish I could sing it for you. I mean, you know what? We're up against a break. Let me let's take our break, and I'll come back with it. Okay. 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 We'll come back with it. So we'll take our break, and then I'll come back, and I'll, I'll give I'll give you the my 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 um, red, red interpretation of "Let's Get Caesar Caesar Involved." But right now, a word from our sponsor. of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Clouds come in all shapes and sizes, and the Abacus Private Cloud is the perfect fit. Abacus Cloud enables all the desktop apps you know and love while providing unparalleled security to your business. Cloud functionality gives you the flexibility to work where you want, when you want, and from any device you want. Don't waste countless hours managing IT. Take back your time. Learn more at abacusnext.com. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right, and we are back. I, I promised you with a shoulder roll that I would, would uh, introduce you to the great song, Let's Get Caesar, involved by my my uh, friend Alan Pallas- Patterson, rest in peace. So here, here, here it is, Ron. You ready? 
Okay, you bet. Okay, so so this is the I'm going to give you the first the first uh, verse and then the, the and then the, uh, the 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 chorus and then I'll just read the third verse to you because I think it's the funniest one. All right, so here's how how it starts. Jesus taught the multitudes one day in da- Galilee. Must have been five thousand, and they all got hungry. Uh, <laughs> disciples came to Jesus and said, "Get those people fed." Jesus tur- turned toward heaven, and this is what he said. Let's get Caesar involved. Caesar will get your problem solved. Go away and let me relax. That's why I pay all the tax. You need to get Caesar involved. <laughs> all right, but this is my <laughs> this is my favorite verse, right? A wedding feast in Cana had just run out of wine. But one man's and one man said to Jesus, "Make us some moonshine." But Jesus had no permits nor a license to distill. <laughs> So he said, I can't help you, but I know one who will. <laughs> Let's get Caesar involved. The government will get that problem solved. Give to Caesar what is his. Next, you'll give him all there is. So we got to get Caesar involved. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's very clever. Isn't very that clever? clever. Uh, yeah, I, I really got to find a like a version of that. We could actually play it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I do have a story in my stack, Ed, that I probably won't get to, but it's an example of exactly kind of what you're talking about. That you know, the we we, we did a show on Verisage laws, and one of the Verisage laws is bad customers drive out good customers. Yep. And yep. and I would say the government charity drives out private charity. And yeah. I have a story in my stack from San Diego that it's exactly what's happening because of government regulations. This charity is shutting down. And it it, it it just like this stuff goes on all the time, but it's never talked about. Or so. worse, what I was reading about in it was in San Francisco by you that the that the government won't let some some charitable organizations feed the hungry because they don't have the proper kitchen permits. Well, that's exactly what it is in San Diego. Oh, too? okay. It, it, and it could be in San Francisco too, but it just happened in San Diego. Literally, this gotcha. outfit that you know serves meals to the homeless. And they do about 200 on like every Friday night or something. And because they're made, these meals are made by volunteers just in their kitchen, they they violate every code of public health known to man, especially Mm -hmm. this new one that California released. So they're, they they shut down. They've only got like a $7,000 budget, this, this little shoestring charity, but they do great work and they're going out of business. Because wow. they can't, they can't afford to comply. They just can't do it. How do you, how do you get, you know, all these people that have kitchens that are making this food? How do you, how do you inspect them? How do you inspect them all? It's, right. just, it's crazy. It just, we're losing common sense to, to, to paperwork and checking the box and compliance. It's just crazy. Yeah, inside companies as well as in government. So that's a problem. All right, what do you got, Ron? What's up? Okay, next? I've got. Jeff Bezos, 1997. So you got to spin back 20 years. Yeah, really. So, right. I mean, this is this is early days in Amazon. It's his letter to Amazon shareholders, and um, you know he this they had one and a half million customers at the end of 1997, uh, and their revenue ad was 147.8 million dollars. And they were primarily primarily still selling books. Right. But sure. what's interesting about this letter is he laid out four tenants that he said that would be that would always be day one at Amazon if we follow these four tenants. It was be obsessed with the customer, focus on results over process. <laughs> 
Hat tip to Dr. House. Right. <laughs> Make high quality decisions quickly and embrace external trends quickly. Those were his four tenets. So, and, and he went on to say that we're going to continue to obsess over customers and the customer experience and, and try and get better delivery methods. You know, he joked that WWW stood for worldwide weight. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, which back then was probably true. Now, of course, they've got one click and all that. He said, we will continue to focus on our employees. He said, setting the bar high in our approach for, to hiring has been and will continue to be the single most important element of Amazon's success. Um, and then he said, it's not easy to work here. He said, when I interview people, I tell them, you can work long, hard, or smart. But at Amazon, you can't choose two out of three. <laughs> right. Think about that. And then uh, he said, you know, look, we're building something important, something we can tell our grandchildren about. And such things aren't meant to be easy. So he delivered this out of the shareholder meeting, I think. and Or maybe it was an employee town hall. I'm not sure. There's YouTube video of it uh, on YouTube. And I didn't watch it. I, I just read about it. But an employee stood up and said, well, Jeff, what does day two at Amazon look like? And you can see him kind of thinking about it. And he says, well, day two <laughs> at Amazon is stasis, followed by irrelevance, followed by excruciating, painful decline, followed by death. Wow. And his point was, we, we always want to remain entrepreneurial, innovative, risk-taking. He says several times in this letter that we're going to take colossal risks. And, you know, some of them, maybe a lot of them aren't going to pay off. But we're doing that because we have to stay, you know, dynamic and, and relevant and all of that. And it, it reminded me a little bit about the, uh, the Google IPO letter that the Google founders wrote. And they basically said the same thing. They said, we're not going to run this company based on quarterly you know, estimates to Wall Street. We're going to make long-term bets, most of which aren't going to pay off. And they kept saying throughout their letter that if that freaks you out or if that makes you nervous, don't invest in Google because mm -hmm. <laughs> this is how we're going to do it. And um, somebody in uh, Forbes, I think it was, wrote about the problem with this day two philosophy being death and irrelevance. She said, look, businesses grow, they get older, you know, they change, yeah, middle age is different than youth, but, you know, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing necessarily. And I, I don't know if that's a comparison I buy, that a company is kind of like the life of a person, but I, I think his point about we need to stay on the cutting edge and innovative is, is, is got some validity to it. I agree. I absolutely agree. You know, that, that it's just what we, we've said for years, it's, it, it, it's, um, it, it Effectiveness over efficiency, right? <clears throat> and it is really what it what it comes down to is that it's it's you have to make, be effective to your, for your customers. And the great quote from Dr. Jules Goddard when he was on the show, you know, strategy is the art and practice of of being one step ahead of having to be efficient. Right. 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 Um, yeah. No. Great stuff. And yeah. And look, they they continue to live up to that thus far. Uh, you know, I think they, 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 they continue to be one of the more innovative companies that, that's out there. So and I hope very, there's never a day two at Amazon. So. Yeah, and, and not, but not profitable, except for their AWS 
which I guess just broke another record for the fourth quarter or something. Yeah. But yeah, I think we have to be careful of the profitable thing because of the the, the whole you know how much the subscription uh, piece. We're not looking at it in the, the in the right through the right the right lens. Absolutely, you got to look at the company as a whole. You can't chunk it apart like that. But there there is no doubt that selling at a retail, you know, selling all the things they do at the retail level is probably not as profitable as cloud services. No, no. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Amazon's a software company. Let's yeah. Yeah. right. <laughs> well, and a and a and a video production company. As long as they keep making Man in the High Castle, I'll be happy. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. Great point. Great point. So, well, let me get this one in quick here before the break, Ron. And this is from Fast Company, and I think you, you we appreciate this. So, Fast Company. I was a little bit surprised with this. So, the the, the title of this article is "Brand Purpose Is a Lie." Ah, uh, and this was in response to the 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 uh, Gillette ad, right? Yep, that was being shown. Yep, um, and then you know the, because they believe it's just all all it's they they've been cutting prices because they've been squeezed by Dollar Shave Club, and now they got to get on the whole brand thing. And of course, it came out like the day after that after they had done this this whole commercial for toxic masculinity. Oh, there's also the pictures of the the the, the women who are wearing you know skin tight Gillette suits at a NASCAR race, and this is late nineteen nine late two thousand eighteen with Gillette across their buttocks, right. Right. Yep. So, you know, we're, 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 is, is it brand purpose or is it brand hypocrisy? Are we just trying to do this? And of course there's the, that the, the, the ad, what's the other one that's mentioned in here? Oh, the, um, state street ad with the, the little empowered little girl staring down wall street's bull. Yes. Right. Right. Of course, state street is documented that they, and this is I'm not underpay women. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Starbucks as a brand is is all about you know fair trade. Yet for three years they paid no corporate tax on over sales of one point two billion pounds in the UK. <laughs> right. So you know this this just all goes back to the fact that it really what it has to be is that it that that you your purpose can't be something that's a marketing function, right? There really it really has to be something from 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 the guts, from who you are, you know. And this is why I look at at someone like um, John Mackey, right? Mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. who where you know you were talking about uh, t- uh, the the folks at at Amazon who said if this is a problem, don't invest. Well, Mackey did the same thing. We're going to take I, I forget what it was, ten percent of our profits, and we're going to invest in the communities that we're in. Sure. And if you got a problem with that, don't buy, don't buy our stock. Yep. You know. Um, so I, you know, and this see our show on corporate social responsibility, but I, I, this it, it just, just as an example, it has to be authentic. It has to be genuine. It can't be something that just the marketing department decides is a good idea this week. You couldn't agree more because I'm not sure it's it, I'm not sure brand purpose in and of itself is a lie. I mean, I think of Apple's brand, right? Think different or correct, you know, so, yeah, you yeah. know and that's and and maybe an overused term, but it is authentic. I mean, they truly believe that. We call it the soul of a company, right? The soul of enterprise. Sure. Um, but I think when you I think Gillette crossed the line when you start preaching at people, you know, especially on a political topic. And, and it's hard to find anything these days that's not political because everything's being politicized, even comedians and, and football games. But I, I just think you, you really risk 
alienating a lot of people when you start preaching to them. And that Gillette commercial was absolutely preachy. And look, I love Gillette. I think it's a fantastic brand. Uh, but boy, that 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 gave me a lot of pause. I didn't really care. I, 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 I didn't think. Any the I didn't I, I didn't have a strong feeling one way or the other about the ad. But anyway, listen, up against our last break, Ron, let's get this in so we have some time on the other side of this. Want to remind you you can talk to Ron or me. The email is, of course, ask A S K T S O E at verisage.com. The website's out there. Please also visit your local podcasting uh wherever you listen to your podcast, I should say, and give us a nice rating on that as well as a, a review if you wouldn't mind. They're the currency that we really deal in here. So please make sure that you get take time out to give us a rating and, an, and a review. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for last month, the month of January. And Ed, I've got a, a blog post here. It was actually on LinkedIn, too, by Tim Williams. And I don't have the title in front of me, but it was basically, he says, you know, business executives read about the successes of other companies, and then they, and then they try to adopt their practices. And, they, and he gave a, a specific example with Agile. He said, but this mm. cut, but this cut cut and paste approach to transformation never produces the desired results. And he said, why? Because they're attempting to change their practices without first changing their minds. He said, transformative changes in business are always the result of shifting our thinking, not importing new practices. Like agile transformation, he says, he said, capable people should be directly responsible for the promises they make and the results they produce. Talented professionals shouldn't need project managers breathing down their necks, dictating workload or enforcing deadlines. The agile paradigm 
is about accountability, not utilization. And I thought that now there's more in this article, but I just want to pause there and get your reaction to that. Well, Tim is brilliant as usual. I mean, that would be my first reaction to it. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I think you know, un, under the heading of uh, um, my chosen profession as project manager is is similar to James Madison's view of government, right? If if men were angels, <laughs> right, right, we would, yeah, we wouldn't need government. Yeah. We wouldn't need government. Well, and, and and if everybody just got their stuff done, yeah, we wouldn't need project managers, right? I mean, it's it's similar to the Drucker line about all meetings are a a, a concession to deficient organization, right? Because right. if right. we if we if we knew what we were supposed to do, we wouldn't have to meet. We just right. go do it. And I think the same thing is true on of, of work and project management, that if, if people got their stuff done, yeah, you wouldn't need somebody to do that. But, you know, I, I, I you know, call, call it an accountability partner instead of project manager. And that, that, that's where I would come down on, on the face of that. I, I, you know, so I, I that, that, that's, that's my, my, my take on it, but he is right though. No, that's fair. And, and you know, I remember working with a firm that was like one of the first, uh, first big firm to go timeless. And, you know, we talked about, okay, well, what KPIs are we going to look at? And, of course, I was saying, well, we need, you know, turnaround time, turnaround time. And he said, Ron, I have really smart people here. I don't need to look at turnaround time. They get their stuff done. They keep their promises. And, and, and they, so they didn't track it. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, gee, I wish I wish the world was that perfect. So maybe they were angels. I don't know. But he goes on to say, Ed, that the most celebrated firms are not incrementalists. The self-driving car was not developed by a car company. Uber didn't grow out of a taxi company. And Deloitte Digital, one of today's largest digital agencies, that's Deloitte, a big four, was started right. by a CPA, Pete Williams. He said... Just as physicians have been seriously misguided by flawed paradigms like bloodletting, uh, you know, he says, you got to change your mind and the practices will follow. It never, it never works the other way around. And then he paraphrases me. Some people get impatient with the paradigm and want to move on to the practices. I get impatient with practices and want to learn the right paradigm. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I guess that's the fair criticism of me. <laughs> but you know, we talk about you know. There's nothing more practical than a good theory. Yeah. No. And and with the, you know, he started out this article by but it was reminded me of of a, a, a book that I read years ago, um, Karaoke Capitalism. Yes. And, you know th- this, and, and look, this is one of our beasts against benchmarking, right? Is that this idea that if you if you best practices, if we go get best practices, really, right. right? Well, you know, best practices is karaoke, right? And and I remember the the point of this book, and there's a, I think there's a line in it in the opening chapters that says, look, carry our, our our analogy of karaoke is 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 specifically chosen because. You know, go to get to a karaoke club, and it's uh, no matter how drunk you are or how drunk your audience is, you're not Elvis. Right. You're right. right. You're not Sina- <laughs> yeah. You're not Sinatra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I and, and it's such a good point because if if all you do is change your practices or adopt best practices or copycat another firm what they do, without changing your mind, I, I see this every day, and it becomes more and more apparent. I'll be in a meeting where they're talking about 
what's being measured. And because of the things that we're implementing, the, the, you know, how we gather this data needs to change. And, and I stand up and I'm like, this is the wrong data. We're, get, we're doing the wrong measurement. And if we measured other things, you wouldn't need to break your back doing all this crap. You can get on to measurements that are really important. And, and yet they haven't changed their mind. They've changed the practices, but without the mindset change, it, you can't do a complete transformation. Yep. Yep. I, look, and I, it's funny. I had this conversation with two different people today, and it was but a mirror image of this conversation, which was, and they're both pleading with me, you know, about account accountants specifically. You know, it was Ed. How do we get them to change? How do we get them to change? How do we get them to see the light? And and I quoted, you know, Edwin Friedman to them twice, both both of them. And I said, look, you you, you don't because the, the, you, you're, there's no amount of insight that is going to make somebody change who has no desire to change. Yeah. Says, well, but the house is burning down around them. I said, then it's going to go down in flames. She said, well, what what do we do then? I said, we let them we let them. <laughs> Yeah, let them die. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so sad. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a guy who was writing a report on the profession, and he talked about firms and struggling, and and you know, if they don't adapt to change, they're not gonna they're not gonna be around. And I stopped and I paused and I said, and the problem with that is, mm-hmm. well, well, you know, if 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 an economy doesn't cleanse itself with by weeding out the people that don't add value, it's kind of like, you know, never going to the bathroom. I mean, it's not a good, that's not healthy. No. It, we should no. weed out people that don't add value. I mean, I don't want to keep people around that aren't willing to change. The market should take them out without mercy. Mm-hmm. But no, I totally agree. So totally. anyway, just, I just, I thought this was really good. So I'll, We'll link up this to the show notes, Tim's article, everything by Tim. You should, folks, if you don't know, he's a LinkedIn influencer. So you can follow him on LinkedIn. So you get all of his blog posts and they're all worth reading. The guy is just great. So, so Ed, what is on store for next week? (laughs) Ron, I have no idea what's on store for next week. We, We had a conversation about this a little bit ago. We've got a lot of possible topics, but we haven't decided. So you're just going to have okay. to pay attention to the website and uh, find out what's on store for next week. Okay, that sounds good. I like that. A mystery show. So excellent. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Check out our full show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com, where we will have all of our uh, topics that we discussed today. And also, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.